The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe it off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even in your name the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, for the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. When I was in high school, I suffered the same crippling fear of many an adolescent heterosexual boy. The phobia of talking to girls. Not all girls. I was very good at talking to girls in whom I shared no attraction or who shared my social strata. But any girl that, was, that I was the least bit drawn to became persona non grata to me. And why? At the time, it was obviously because I was afraid of making a fool out of myself. Now, there are many things one should not do when navigating the minefield that is high school, but above all, the first commandment is thou shalt not look foolish. Yet looking back on it now gives me pause, because what was I really afraid of? Rejection, I suppose. In your high school years, rejection could be a fate worse than death. But what was the root cause of that rejection? Social humiliation from my peers, or something else. Rejection touches off a specific nerve in all of us. It makes us think that we are not good enough. For high school boys, it can make you feel like you're less than a man, which is a very dangerous way of processing how the world works. But even today, rejection from jobs or potential lovers or other things can cause us to feel anxious and depressed. Yet we never stop to ask ourselves why we feel this way. So you lose out on a job. 
So a nice date doesn't return your phone call. I can promise that there are worse fates in the world to be suffered. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't feel bad, but we should also not let the fear of rejection dictate our lives. This is doubly true when it comes to sharing our faith. I was at a cookout yesterday and had a great conversation with this woman I'd never met before. She and her boyfriend moved to the state of Maryland not too long ago, and they're looking for a church. Now, she wasn't raised in any sort of religious household, while he was raised and remains devoutly Catholic. So I'm listening to her story with eagerness and kind of in, in my mind, I'm rubbing my hands like, yep, you want the open-mindedness and tradition without the bad theology. Lutherans are perfect. But she had no idea what Lutherans were about. And it made me realize something. I mean, there are millions of Lutherans in the United States. I can promise you, I mean, she's lived, she served in the military, so she's lived all over the country. I can promise you that along the way, she has met at least one. Was no Lutheran willing to share their faith with her? Lutherans are historically bad at this. You, you newer Lutherans, you, you might be hearing this for the first time. Maybe you can appreciate this. Uh, many secular folk can probably take some guesses as to some basic core tenets of Catholic belief. And if prodded, some of you could even speak to what other traditions believe. Not because they're so great, but because they're in the news very often. But most people outside of the Lutheran church do not know what Lutherans believe. Historically, we've been identified as a tradition whose people keep to themselves. Pastor Billy Graham, yes, that Billy Graham, a name we know all too well, once called the Lutheran Church the sleeping giant because he believed we had this great theology and yet we lacked the willingness to share it. And as we've talked about so often in our mission table, we don't share it enough because we don't know how. Evangelism is a dirty word. It seems to be the fear of rejection that keeps us so silent. And thus the question must be asked, why are Lutherans so afraid of rejection? And to shrink the scope a little more, why are we so afraid of being rejected for our faith? What do we have to fear? We don't live in a country that imprisons people based solely on a public expression of faith. We're not using our faith to win the heart of another person. And I know most of you. I know all of you. I wrote most of you in case we have visitors. I know all of you. Uh, I know everyone who worships in this congregation very well. You're not zealots. I'm not worried about you going out there with a convert or die attitude. I'm not worried about you saying the wrong thing. You're all great people. So again, I ask, why the fear of rejection? In today's gospel, Jesus sends the 70 out two by two. And before he does, he sternly warns them about what it means to be rejected. They are God's messengers, called to live solely on the hospitality of other people, not allowed to take even the basic means of sustenance. And they are acting on behalf of God. If people reject them, then those same people are rejecting God's own self. Just think about that for a second. You think someone turning you down for prom is tough? Imagine all of the rejections that our own creator had to deal with just in this text alone after the disciples went out. 
Maybe getting rejected isn't such a bad thing. Maybe if God is rejected, then maybe rejection is a holy thing. And what's remarkable about this group of people being sent out for rejection in the name of God is that their societal rejects themselves. Jesus has not gathered the 70 best people alive. These are not the first century Jewish equivalents of Bill Gates or Shonda Rhimes or any other famous or smart person. These are just regular folk like you and I. People whom society has rejected oh so many times. God knows they're not perfect. And God knows that we are not perfect. And that's okay. No one is looking for perfect here. There's a story to be told, and there are people to tell it, and God's empowerment of ourselves is sufficient. And perhaps if we can just look past that nagging fear of rejection and truly feel God's empowerment, then this wouldn't be an issue. Because Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful, and he does not mince words. So what if you get rejected a few times? There's always someone willing to listen. There is always a heart to be changed. And even if you share the gospel, and that person doesn't come to Salem, or they come to Salem, but they don't really like it too much, maybe they've had the needle move for them just a little bit. Maybe they will find God somewhere else. Maybe they understand that the God we believe in is indeed a God of love, and that opens the door for them. Now, this might sound redundant to all of you who attend and who know that God loves you, and you might believe that, but there are so many people in the world, in our streets, the next block over, who have never heard that God loves them. And you can make a difference just by saying that. Now, if you're ever nervous about what to say, remember three things. One, your story. You all have your own faith story about what makes you close to God. It is your story, your story alone. I can't articulate it for you. No one else can. You know your story. Speak it. Two, your church. Talk not just about the programs that we do here. They're great. You know, we do a lot of great stuff. Talk about the great stuff we do all the time. But talk instead, or talk also, about how you experience God in this church. Is it the music? I definitely see God in the music a lot. Is it the fellowship? I definitely see God in each and every one of you. And maybe, just maybe, it's the preaching. Just saying, maybe. And three, you don't need to articulate every highlight of what Lutherans believe. But simply talk about justification. The belief that because of what Jesus has done for us, there is nothing we can do to merit God's love. That's an awesome message. Take away that ladder that people often feel they need to climb in order to get to God. We have it right there. It's what helps to separate us from many other denominations. And we believe it as a church with the backing of Scripture and with faithful conviction. I believe in you. God believes in you. You were called to do God's work. You are the few laborers for that plentiful harvest. So go out there with faith in God and confidence in yourself. Do not worry about rejection. It'll happen. It's going to happen. It's okay. 
Concern yourself instead with spreading the word of the one who was rejected by us for the sins of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.